Welcome, reanimated fans, to this week's episode. I'm H.A. Conrad, here in the midst of a bomb cyclone on the East Coast. I am here, as always, with my intrepid co-host, Stuart Tiffin. Hello, Stuart. Hey, good day. And our special guest star, Kyle Diaz, for this particular uh, round of, of recaps um, for All of Us Are Dead. And we're going to talk about the final three episodes and uh, a couple of news items before we get into that. But welcome, Kyle. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Good. Um, so uh, we're going to get into the the final three. Got a lot to talk about on that point. But before that, I know Kyle's favorite news items are. <laughs> I'll just go ahead mix. and mute the microphone for a couple of minutes while we talk about all the Walking Dead news. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, but we'll, we'll make it quick. But basically, the big news this week was that uh, they announced that there was going to be a Maggie Negan spinoff. Um, and it is taking place in New York, which obviously I'm pretty excited about. The city um, of New York? Yes, supposedly they're going to be in Manhattan. So I'm actually, you know, pretty I'm pretty excited for a variety of reasons, but I'm hoping that it means they're going to be filming up here. So um, that could be fun. Isle of the Dead is the uh, working title or perhaps the actual title. Yeah, I think so. Um, and, you know, uh, Jeffrey uh, Dean Morgan put up that particular photo and had a bunch of stuff on his Instagram. So that's pretty cool. Um, and then in older news items, um, we didn't catch this before. I guess I missed it. But apparently Norman Reedus uh, is going to be developing a fantasy series with the Frouds, who are Jim Henson's crew. Um, and I don't know if it's like Muppet-like, Fraggle-like things, but um, I think that's coming down the line. They announced that in February, but I, I, I never saw the headline. I just It just popped up this week. So um, is our takeaway from this that he can do that? And the other spinoff that he's supposed to be in with Meg, uh, with Carol? I think so. I don't think that, you know, Fraggles are going to take up all of his time. Um, well, but, you know, he's a multifaceted actor and just maybe he wants to establish that he's going to be doing other stuff other than Walking Dead because, man, that's got to be tiring after so many years. <laughs> so, um, but um, yeah, so I'm I'm looking forward to reviewing some of that with you, Stuart. I know better than to ask you, Kyle. But <laughs> I, do, I will say that, like, you know, ever since like episode two, when uh, there was that tank scene in Atlanta, The Walking Dead has been so rural as far as I know from even the seasons that I haven't seen. So it seems like a good idea to go to back to some sort of urban center instead of just wandering around like in the Georgia woods uh you know, some more. It'll be a nice change of pace. Yeah. I don't think about Fear the Walking Dead, which I, maybe is set in like LA or something. Oh, it was originally. And and you know, the, the main show did go back to Atlanta for half a season. Um, but it, they didn't stick around in the city. That's for sure. Right. And I mean, I just think it's kind of cool to see some of those things and to see how in the urban landscape things are being handled. And even with the the, you know, the world beyond, we were all excited to see a little bit more of that. And they just kind of ended up in, you know the Midwest for most of it or in the, you know, not or in upstate New York. So I'm kind of excited to see what they do with that. Um, and, you know, looking forward to, to reviewing that when it comes out. And we have, we do have a lot of walking dead fear, the walking dead things to, to catch up on, but um, it's honestly starting to give me like Ajita HA yeah. is uh, knowing how much fear the walking dead we have to catch up on. And the, yep. the prime show is back. And I'm just like, Oh my God, I have so much to do. It's okay. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Um, okay. But before, you know, 
let's table that until until another time when Kyle's not with us. I don't want to bore him or make him upset. Um, <laughs> Do not upset Kyle. You don't like Kyle when he's angry. Him. Um, but you had one more uh, headline you found or one more news item. This is kind of goofy. Uh, it's it's from Japan today, which I don't know how uh, what, what kind of news source this is. Uh, they actually seem to report on a, ver- a wide variety of things. But one, one of these are art- it's one of these articles where it's like, oh, town in uh, X part of country, insert country name here, has zombie themed something, um, which is, you know, you see these all, all the time. But I've never seen one in Japan before. So I thought, let's click and see what, lo- see what it looks like. And then it takes you to like, it's kind of confusingly written is the downside. There's, there is a YouTube video on this link. Uh, the headline is rural Japanese town overrun with elderly zombies in attempt to control wild boar population. And honestly, they had me at the headline. Like that is a, a crazy <laughs> headline because of, first of all, elderly zombies. And second of all, wild boar. I was just like, what, <laughs> how do these two things intersect? Show me the Venn diagram. Uh, and apparently- so, so I should note here that I saw the same headline and thought, this might be malware or something bad. So I didn't click on it. <laughs> you did an AI just, write this. <laughs> because it was so outrageous that I, I didn't really believe that it was a true news article. So I just think it's funny that we had two very different reactions <laughs> to said headline. I ran toward the flame. You smartly ran away. Um, it's it, it's not malware. I should say that. Or at least I don't think it is. My computer could be dying a slow death right now. But this town in Japan is called Matsuzaki. And it has been running a zombie camp. I'll put that in air quotes uh, since 2014. And the reason for, to, for this town of 6,000 to host a zombie, it's like zombie glamping, I think. Mm. Uh, the reason they've been doing this is actually just to scare away the deer and wild boar that live around their town um, from their, I, I don't know what Sakura mochi leaves, how they're grown, if they're grown in like a... Uh, like a farmer's field sort of situation or, or if they're like something else, but that's what they're trying to protect. So I think they just want to have a bunch of people there at some part of their growing season to scare away the wildlife. And like, oh, no, no, no. I actually think, I actually think you're misunderstanding this very confusing article, Stuart. I, <laughs> How's I that? think that, I think that the zombie camp is a lure for tourists to come. And then one of the other activities that tourists can do while they're there is hunting. And that controls the deer and wild boar population. It does say hunting. Okay. <laughs> but I now they were that, just trying now to, that like, there make are fewer a tourists coming, there are fewer people doing hunting as an adjunct activity to the zombie glamping. And so there's fewer hunters to control the deer and wild boar. But they're actually not ironically combining a zombie camp with actual life, actual, actual hunting. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Mm. yeah this this is a this has some issues but i mean i don't know if you've watched the youtube video which is like a found footage style or like you know vlog style man trying to survive in in a zombie apocalypse it's like 20 minutes long or something um it's not bad it's all in japanese so unless you read or speak japanese you're not gonna really get the i mean it's it's just a zombie hunting thing so and there's some sort of mystery you're supposed to solve too so, hmm. yeah, uh, the the one uh, the one little button I'll put on this is that um, m- my wife is Japanese and her family lives in Tokyo. So pre pandemic, we went back on a very regular basis 
And we would usually take a couple of days to travel somewhere outside of Tokyo. And for a while we did like the big hits, like, um, you know, uh, Kyoto and stuff like that. But uh, we kind of ran out of like the really mega touristy places and just started going to little towns or small places that are a little bit off the beaten path for foreign travelers. And it's highly recommended. There's like something to do or a beautiful little village or a bizarre zombie experience or incredible food or whatever tucked away all over rural Japan. So, um, you know, it, consider this or any of the <laughs> literally thousands of other, you know, off the beaten path places you could travel when you go to Japan. Cause it's a lot more than just like the big three or four cities that everybody hits. Oh yeah. My friend uh, Moira did this and weirdly, this is the only, I mean, it's the one time I've been to Japan and we went over and she's from uh, Canada and she by happenstance was going to be over there. So we overlapped with her for about 12 hours <laughs> and in, in Tokyo, but then she went, um, and basically she kind of does this. She's one of these, these really amazing travelers who like will go solo traveling. Um, and so she hit like a lot of different places that we didn't get to just because we were time limited, but she was over there for almost a month or so and just kind of touring around. Um, and just some of the photos and, and experiences she had were, were pretty awesome. So I'm envious of that. Um, and also on a lighter note, she she basically did reviews. She had like a week where she only ate things out of vending machines and she did reviews. <laughs> and like didn't know what the things were. And she had them rated by like texture and consistency and temperature, et cetera. So anyway, um, I don't know if I'll send you send you all the link if it's still up, but it was pretty it's pretty amazing. Uh, and she also uh, did some of the capsule hotels, which seemed pretty cool. So. That's awesome. I've never stayed in the capsule hotel. Like that just gets me nervous. Yeah, I'll leave it to you. They do too. I, a little too claustrophobic. I have a slight amount of claustrophobia, so so I don't think I could do it. Even a normal um, Japanese hotel room is like they're pretty <laughs> small. Yeah, yeah, small. Yeah. Um, but anyway, um, but no, I agree with you, Kyle. I'm I'm definitely on board with that thing. So uh, that is one thing I'm missing during the pandemic is the travel piece. So I would love to go back someday. Yeah. Uh, well, that, that that does kind of wrap up the news. So are, are you guys ready to uh, finish up Rumble. All of Us Are Dead? Yes, of course. Can I ask a quick uh, priming question for the beginning of episode 10? Uh, when we left off last time, we were like, okay, there's Chang Chen's mom. The kids are all like crawling around under that pipe truck. He's the only one who's looking at her. We were like, what's going to happen next? Is Soju going to come in and save the day? Is it going to be Hari? Uh, who on their bingo card had... Chong San starts screaming and summoning all the zombies to uh, to where they um, are. I did not. And I actually also, because I, I think Kyle was the one who had said that he thought that, or maybe it was you, Stuart, that had said that uh, they thought the archery team would come in here. And I kind of thought that too. They, um, they that came in happen. just a little bit later. Yeah, they, they didn't meet up for a while later. They still yeah. had a clutch save, but it was not at this part. Yeah. yeah. Right, right. Um, and I did think it was pretty like horrible and rough and traumatic um, to because everybody didn't know that that was his mom. Obviously they just thought it was another, another zombie. So that was pretty, pretty rough. And, and Daisu just thought he was trying to, to uh, save him. And, 
you know, it's his mom. And then there's like that moment, the really awkward moment where they're all like looking at him and he's like, mom. Again, one of these scenes is it's one of these scenes where uh, somebody is doing something that is clearly like the wrong thing to do, but nobody is trying to stop him. Anjo, I get it. She knows what's going on here. But Bear Sue is just kind of like letting it letting the screaming go. I mean, he's ruining their escape attempt. Somebody like should have the presence of mind to shut him up. All right. But can we talk about the fact that he does a lot of screaming throughout this episode? And some of the next episode, it's kind of his calling card in the next. It's kind of what he's it's just kind of what he's doing. Um, And also all of the like, not all of them, but there's a lot of screaming from people who should know better. Right. So I don't know. That was kind of driving me crazy. I mean, they're all in the throes of uh, uh, what dehydration induced uh, delirium at the moment. So they should be. They should be. They have no sustenance. Well, they had, uh, Kyle, you're forgetting that they all had their mouths open to, for the rainwater. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <There we go. laughs> uh, but they finally get Chunks in to like, he's like, he says, mom, everybody has that shocked look on their face. And then they start to move away, um, dragging Chunks in along. And he's still yelling as they're leaving. Like, yes, please ring the dinner bell some more. Uh, but when they get up a little ramp and I've completely lost track of where they are in like the geography of the school campus, um, God, what's her name? Is it Hyo Ryong or Rio yes. Hyong? I I get her uh, her consonants mixed up. I think it might be Hyo Ryong. She falls down, right? And mm. and G- Jimin goes back to pick her up, and then sees a zombie and does something. Is this in her character? I don't know. I guess she hasn't really been in this situation because the, those two girls have never been alone with a zombie before, so we haven't seen her react this way. But Jimin thinks about helping her up and then <laughs> leaves her and runs off into the bushes. And where she makes an even stranger decision is she goes back downhill, which right. is, is back toward the school proper. Um, um, although we don't see what happens to her until later. Right. Um, but I also, I was like, the minute that this happened, I said, Oh, well, she's gonna, she's gonna have to die. Um, yeah, Like the, the show has been so karmically, kind of blunt and it happens again here where she abandons her friend and immediately gets separated from the rest of the mm-hmm. from the rest of the folks and as we see in a couple scenes later uh gets bitten by many zombies yeah like but is is that a conscious decision on her part to run into the woods or down that hill instead of after her friends it, it doesn't seem to make any sense uh, so i'm not sure I think they have to try and slice down this uh, cast. We're still at like nine, right. nine or 11 kids or something. Um, and they wanted to have her killed. They do it for this karmic reason, but it doesn't, to me, it doesn't ring completely true. A, because G-Men has seems to have had a moral compass going uh, so far in the show. So it's weird that she would betray what, is, who is one of her closer friends I think they just were trying to imply that she panicked and and that even is supposed to be why she runs in the other direction. I mean, she may have some guilt too, but I think she's just absolutely panicked and she is one of the screamers um, that just brings everybody, all the zombies coming running to, to eat her. Um, And it's kind of incredible that she manages to not get bitten earlier. Um, And (laughs) While you she's know, standing in the football field, you mean when she's just yeah, crying and they're like, but even before yeah. that, they have her like spot. I will say, like, I thought it was pretty effective, the panic and and 
having her just kind of blindly running and falling and stuff like that. And I, I have to hand it to this actor for the, it, this must've been a pretty rough sequence of scenes to, to film. And I don't know how many times I had to do it, but the, when she ends up in the water and they're all mm-hmm. coming after her, I thought that that was pretty incredible. And, and you can get the sense of the chaos and, and how sort of how shocked she might be. And, they did a really good job. However, she's not ex- like given, given the fact that she's been scrambling around the mud and dirt and rain, she, she's a lot cleaner than she should be by the time she gets to the football field. Sure. But I'll, I'll, I'll let them have it. I don't know. Another funny outcome of this, other than it's not funny. She's, she's a zombie. She gets bit, right? Nobody ever mentions her name ever again. No, nobody show. even asks where she is. It's like, oh, it's just so Wu Jin flies in from off screen and saves uh, Hyo Ryong. And mm-hmm. then Hari saves the two of them from approaching zombies as the, the archery team and uh, our classroom team are finally united. Right. But yeah, nobody right. and even... it is a pretty—it's a pretty good entrance with Hari. Yeah, like... it's the clutch entrance we were hoping for, just down the down the hill earlier. Um, but that's that's fine. It might have might have set Shang San off in a whole other decibel rating if uh, <laughs> if she'd actually you know put an arrow in Shang San's mom's head. Yeah. Uh, so, but they're reunited, and then they kind of run together to this auditorium, which we haven't or a gym that we haven't seen before. Mm-hmm. Um. Jimin forgotten by all left to her fate uh, because don't don't screw up on the show or you're done. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So it, once inside this gym, <laughs> Namra has the, like you can see that there's stuff in there, right? Like it's dark, but you can see that there are shapes. Yeah. Um, uh, and Namra is like, let's get out of here. <laughs> and then the lightning flashes and you see the entire volleyball team. Yeah. Uh, and I guess they were playing volleyball at lunchtime. Yeah. I don't remember. There's like a gym class or something. Yeah. During the lunch hour, maybe. (laughs) Uh, But so they're all in their volleyball clothes um, and it's, it's a bad scene. Um, They they have to, they have to like, so yeah, the tall guy with the, with the hair, the bangs uh, gets locked out in the vestibule uh, or at least gets there for safety. The big dude kind of sacrifices himself so the G men won't stay with him. And, and they all run into an equipment locker basically. Right. Yeah. Um, and he, you know, there was like, they've been carting him along in his little, his little like stretcher for a bit. And um, um, he's just, uh, uh, that's uh, June's song, I think. Um, and, and Mijin is really upset watching him die. And there was like, a thing before them when they were dragging him along and she asked him if he would date her and he's like, no. <laughs> so that's so weird. I don't, I mean, it's like very strange, there's but context um, there. I'm sure that we're uh, not understanding, but I feel like there's like a couple, there's the, the karmic zombie sacrifice, the, the karmic zombie attacks, like where people lose something wrong, but then there's the heroic sacrifice. And, yeah. and even he, he's basically as he's on his stretcher, telling them all to run and to keep running. And so, um, so he is one of those. And um, he flops off the str- off mm-hmm. the cart, right? Which is his yep. like final final act. But then he's actually like holding on holding on to a bunch of zombies and like really trying to get them to come to him. But yep. yeah, this is like a moment of growth for Mijin, I guess, because she has been quite callous in previous scenes. Mm-hmm. Like she killed that other girl who and, and this guy has been throwing shade at her for it. He's like, You killed her and she was nice and you, you don't care about anybody. And so uh, I, I will say that Mijin's whole character just is 
from top to bottom, beginning to end, like such a cipher to me. Like, I truly do not understand most of the stuff that she talks about or is worried about. Or... Like in these three episodes, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like throughout the whole season, but like especially right now, like she's gonna, she's about to get really obsessed with like going to college again um, and being a senior, and she talks about being a senior yeah. con- constantly, and all her like stuff with Harvey about the archery stuff, and it just there's a huge like cultural context missing for specifically that character that I didn't necessarily feel with a lot of the other characters on the show, but a lot of the stuff that she's talking about, I'm just like, what, what are you talking about right now? Yeah. I I agree with, I agree with that because. Well, I kind of felt like with what they were doing with her, she's the character that brings up mundane and inane stuff because it's too stressful and upsetting to actually deal with what's happening i mean so i don't know that's H. A., the next episode she says try being a senior you think being in a zombie apocalypse is bad yeah. exactly like, that's my point like they I, just I think have her they she's have actually her. holding them in like each in one one in each hand and she's saying no being a senior is way worse than the situation we're in right now which is about to be blown up by a cruise missile like yeah, I, mean, I, could, I literally could not tell if that was supposed to be a joke or whether it was supposed to be commentary i don't know but i think that she's that kind of I think she's supposed to be that sort of like it's comic relief, definitely. And but it's also a commentary on the sort of self self indulging, self uh, navel gazing of teenagers. Um, And I do think some of this is obviously cultural because she's specifically calling out things that are very like the college thing. And she talks about the archery thing with with Ari and all that stuff. So it's all college um, related. And yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. So without understanding like that landscape of, of college admissions in, in South Korea, specifically <laughs> maybe in the, in the greater Seoul region, I don't think we're ever going to have a total handle on this. Cause I feel like some of my response would be like, go to trade school, <laughs> become an electrician. You'll be fine. <laughs> so um, the, now we have the, finally the meeting of the two groups in the equipment locker. So that's kind of where they all get, get yeah. merged together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a beautiful scene here with Desu apologizing to Chong San. He's like, I didn't know that was your mom. I, I thought that was yeah. really touching. Yeah, that was good. And Desu's like a good guy. Um, and then they also finally get to eat some food, very slight amount. And they use this for some comic relief, too. Where, <laughs> you know, it's like some pass it over, which I'm just like, all right. And I understand why Namra does. But, um, you know, and then Desu eats like the rest of it. And <laughs> yeah. uh, I know. Like, I I lost it. This joke 100% landed for me. Um, like, I, I don't know why, but I was just like, this is a thing I've ever seen. It's just Desu shouting down, especially because he gets it from Hari. And so it's it, it's like he's he's treating it almost a little bit like a little gift, like, oh, I'll yeah, eat totally, this. Yeah, totally. But then, you know, it just cuts to uh, poor... Um, June Young behind him, who's just like, I didn't have any. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I I cracked up. I thought this was hilarious. Well, and then there's a the whole thing between uh, Desu and Hari where he confesses his love for her and she's just like, uh, and like loses it. Her response yeah. is to kick his ass. Like that is, yeah. I mean, again, like context, I, I'm not sure I understand. Yeah. It, but Or maybe she's like, you know, inappropriate timing or I don't know. But, kind of uh, like we've been through all this and that what yeah um, <laughs> yeah so. yeah you to me you are the perfect woman or something i think this is his something. introductory line for it uh, i was kind of cheering for him but then it, it turned badly 
<laughs> well, and then there's also like with the meshing of the groups, the different sort of like dynamics with the group. Um, the fact that Namra's class president, um, who's making decisions, yeah, that who's all the alpha, a, who is the alpha in this scenario. Um, have to say, I'm sort of surprised that it's still the class president and not the woman with the bow and arrow. But, you know, that's she's the that's, class president of the class below <laughs> Hari and Jimin. Right. It gives you to make any or not Jimin. Exactly. Ninji, exactly. Ninji. So I'm just kind of like, I don't really know how this is going and um but anyway um and then there's also some some comforting and some some sort of forgiveness and reconciling between Anjo and um uh Johnson um but you know they're but they have to make a plan to get out of here and there's like voting about what to do and so I thought that that was kind of an interesting way to just to show how the group was going to work going forward. But I still think that there's an awful lot of weight that they give the class president. I don't know. That just feels like yeah, <laughs> kind of ridiculous. But uh, we also have had a, a, a scene of the general of the martial law command watching some of the vlog. Mm. Um, and and uh, specifically, there's like a scene where he's watching the vlog and then one of his guys comes in. He's like, hey, I hear they're expanding martial law. And uh, we're probably going to have to, like, you know, leave Hyosan and, and give up on Hyosan. And that kind of sets some of the table for, for stuff that's coming later, too. It is. But then he says stuff like, oh, well, we should still try to rescue people. Well, you're the one who stopped them rescuing those kids on the roof and wanted to shoot them. That's a good so This point. is a, com a complete about face in a strange way. Um, I like I thought that was kind of an odd. Maybe I missed something, but this just feel. and he's like, oh, we should get as many people out as possible before we destroy before we destroy the city. We might be our last chance to rescue people. And it's like, well, buddy, you, you weren't so so excited to do that when you had a bunch of kids on the roof. I don't know. It just felt odd to me. The it, assembly it, woman is also handed some resignation papers by the part, uh, what is it? The party leader. The party leader yeah. And uh, yeah, again, I'm not a hundred percent understanding the scene. Uh, he, I think he's trying to take, get her to take the political fa uh, fall for the entire thing. Uh, and I'm just like, again, thinking about this from an American perspective, American politicians never admit culpability or resign. No. Uh, so <laughs> there's no. definitely no way that this would go down. No. Um, and then there's also uh, some of my favorite scenes. And I, I honestly was hoping they would do more. And I kind of was hoping that uh, she would get out. But the scenes with, um, you know, how they're they have their little observation. Again, this is, you know, kind of figuring out about the virus. And um, I think, uh, you know, they have Yoonji locked up and they have this great scene where she kind of breaks out of her restraints. And does a very like, yeah. uh, like, like blows on the glass and just, like writes, I'm hungry or something. And it just has this insane look. And I like was really hoping there would be something even more with this. And they don't really, I mean, they do a lot of experiments and show things with the sound with her and, and, um, and our other hapless, uh, sort of lab subject in there. Um, but I was trying to figure it, out if, if she's implied to have written it backwards so that he could read it or, if she had written him, like normally for her, which would make it backwards for him. But I couldn't tell because I don't read Korean. <laughs> there <so>. you go. <laughs> I could not either. But her her face and the way she's like looking at them, I just thought she was great. Um, and I thought no, I was like and a, I was, 
if you run it backwards, that's impressive as hell. That's like hard for even a non-zombified person to do. Right. Um, but I, so, you know, I think that they were just showing their, like what they're finding out about the virus and how it's acting differently, obviously in different people, but. Yeah. But they have um, discovered that like they've recreated the virus, right? I don't know if that's in this episode or one of these, but they've basically. No, it is in this one where, cause yeah. they do the, the thing where they're watching the, they, yeah. um, watching the vlog and then they're, and they're they saying, recreate oh. it specifically the same way that he did it by like scaring a mouse and pulling out its hormones, I guess, and then whatever, okay. <laughs> combining that with something. Or, and then well, they, but they, they do make a really important um, discovery during all of this, which is that the people who are infected are in fact brain dead. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that kind of sets the, um, I think like the moral table for mm-hmm. bombing the city in the next episode, because all these people are functionally deceased anyway. But not, they're not never coming well, back. Not that. But they're also, and they also have the the vlog where you know, basically the commentary is that there's no vaccine for this. That this Jonas virus just evolves and evolves and evolves, and so the only way to destroy it is to burn it out, which is how they come up with their plan, I guess. Um, but not before, of course, uh, replicating the virus because that seems like a good idea. Um, <laughs> But yeah, um, I mean, by the time we get to the end of this three episode run, we are left with a lot of loose ends that yeah. that, that, that obviously like the show is not necessarily meant to end here. So uh, recreating the virus is obviously a big one. It's like, you know, us having that that vault of viruses uh, in the basement of the CDC or whatever. So now this is in the Korean version of that. Yep. And we also have, you know, we also see um Anjo's dad doing the things that he's doing to get to his daughter. Um, he like I this was like kind of like a weird. I thought this was like kind of an odd thing. I mean, I think it's fine to show him doing this, but they they go through a lot of effort to show him breaking into like this cafe and stealing ribbon yeah. to then mark trees in the woods. Like it seemed just like a very roundabout weird thing to put in there. And I know how they use it later, but it just seemed odd to me. <laughs> like maybe I think for, uh, for him, it was like a weird combination of like, I feel like we spent a lot of time on his journey. And yet I was also shocked when he got to the school because yeah, I had no right? idea he was so close to the school when he was doing all of this stuff. And so I was like, yeah. well, you're here already. Like how close is the school to the quarantine zone? Cause it right. does not feel like you've been hiking for like days and days. Like right. how far can a human walk in the time frame that's shown, like maybe 20 miles, you know, like it just. <laughs> oh, there's some serious time issues also. With the, oh, yeah. When, oh we yeah. Come, when we get to the drone portion, like there's a huge time issue that, that is introduced here uh, yeah. because uh, they come up with this great plan and then suddenly they have thousands of drones that are specifically. So equipped. many drones. Yeah. <laughs> in like a 45 minutes yeah because the kids are just like hanging out on the scaffolding like while the drone plan is thought of and executed right like that that all happens so fast Uh, um yeah but they i mean and but then you know i i feel like the big set piece in this whole episode is like the gym scene where they pull like get the get the equipment together you know they they have ideas they all like (laughs) kind of have the plan to to sort of have their own like the the athletic padding taped around themselves um in a ploy to get out of the gymnasium um but you know i think i thought that this was an interesting scene although i feel like more of them would have died in this scene you know it 
so I, 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 there are things that the last couple episodes do really well that I like a lot, but there's also a lot here that's just starting to frustrate me because of the amount of wheel spinning we've been doing throughout this series. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, we've seen them move from just place to place, to place, to place, to place inside the school so many times by now, like, you know, they've gone from, from science classroom to, uh, you know, announcement room, like sound studio thing to this side of the place, like rooftop. And, and I'm just like, I'm just kind of over it. I'm just like, I, I can't watch another like 20 minute scene of them, like trying to, you know, uh, move from place to place and failing and having somebody get bit. So I was just very bored through this entire scene until poor uh, Jun Young gets bitten and decides to make the noble sacrifice, which uh, I, I I actually did find very moving. I thought that this, this was a nice button for this character that's been kind of like, you know, stepped on by the rest of the crew in a lot of ways um, for him to get a truly kind of heroic end here was, was really nice. And before he goes, he does have like, um, I, I think I'm noticing that the people who get the most story arcs die, but Jun Young is like born again, hard in this equipment storage locker. He like, he's lost his glasses and now he has a badass cut on his face and he's like giving you know he's giving as good as he's getting to uh mijin who's telling him to like mind his manners and he's like you shut up i'm the boss uh so like that's that's like you know the key to his heroic sacrifice uh and you know outro i guess Mm -hmm. it's kind of odd that like when you consider some of the other characters who survived the entire show who have almost no arc and like they give these like transformational moments to people who are who are on their way out. Uh, and I think that that's kind of interesting because people like Desu, like he's he's there and he's funny and he's great, but he doesn't actually change at all through the entire no. show. Uh, no, but- and even up until the end, I mean, there's something that comes up in the final episode where I just, I mean, it's funny, but it's just like his, his he's just the same. Well, and um, uh, also the way that uh, Jun Young helps after he gets bitten and climbs over the right. barricade is totally useless. He would have uh, been much more... <laughs> serve to just run the other direction screaming and distract all the zombies away from the barricades but instead he just tries to pull them off one by one and it's totally ineffectual so it undercuts his big sacrifice a little bit yeah it does and i agree with you kyle i think that this frustrated me for the same reason that it frustrated you and the one you know as i as i kind of was thinking about the show there was like a lot of things that i was hoping to see that i thought that that's where they would end up they would sort of start evolving the show a little bit um, because I think that this yet another scene of them going from place to place and how they get out is sort of boring. Um, we had the barricade in the classroom. We had the the rope down the classroom. Now we have the gym equipment to get out of the gymnasium and it's all kind of the same theme. Um, I think I would have much rather seen more of um, like, Guinam and Namra getting into it, like really getting into it, or even honestly, I was really hoping that Yunji would somehow get out and, or even before, like, I, like I didn't really care about her getting captured. Like I thought that was kind of a waste of her character. I really wanted her and Guinam to have a showdown because it felt like they should. And I feel like those kinds of things would be a lot more interesting to me than some of like the, this repetitive theme that they keep doing. Because it takes um, a long time. I mean, this scene when they're, where they're taking the barricades and pushing and doing all this stuff. And then finally on Joe's dad does appear, which is kind of like the thing that saves him here. Um, but it, it, 
it's probably 10 or 12 minutes of screen time. Like it's yep. long. Mm-hmm. And so it's just like, this is, this is slow for, for where the story needs to go. And, you know, not to bring it back to my favorite TV show of all time, but walking dead decided pretty early on that, um, you know, the zombies themselves, it, unless they were in some sort of huge quantity, were not that scary. And, um, that they could be dispatched with great ease by the characters who all just became these killing machines. And one of the reasons they did that is, is to just avoid repetitive stuff like this and get to the interpersonal, you know, things and and new characters and settings and stuff like that. So you, you spent less on just the mechanics of moving the people around. Um, Right. This Uh, show never did that. No, but it was, it was, it was awesome to see Anjo's dad at the end of this. There was definitely, they had a great moment of their reuniting together and it was heartwarming. Um, and so I thought that that was, that was kind of a nice way to end the episode. And then and I, you have uh, had Gwinam like getting in, closer to them throughout and this. Like tra- and he's like tracking them and, um, unfortunately runs into, uh, our, our sort of like isolated archery guy. Um, but that doesn't, their, their showdown doesn't really happen as the next episode. Right. I think yeah, their showdown does not happen until the next episode. Um, but, but, you know, I like, again, I think that Guinam is such an interesting character. And so I just wanted to see a little bit more of him rather than some of this kind of ridiculousness, but. Yep. Soju arriving and op- opening that door. Cause again, like the, on the repetitive angle, they were like, once again, trapped between a locked door and a bunch of zombies. And we've been in this situation also at the top <laughs> of the staircase. Uh, and uh, just a pair of bolt cutters would have come in real handy for Soju too. I, and every, like the amount of times we've seen someone trying to break a padlock with anything like a crowbar or a hammer or a hose end, uh, like, Jesus, can somebody please just have bolt cutters like Soju, especially. I, I love that in movies when they're like, they show like some old lock and then someone hits it with a shovel and it breaks. And it's like, there's no freaking I, way you're going to break that thing with a shovel. It's made of stainless steel. <laughs> like, it's just not possible. You know, that's that uh, adrenaline strength. Yeah. Um, but that 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 scene of him opening the doors, that's like Gandalf showing up at Helm's Deep. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and then the, we, light, the yeah. light that they have shining on her. It looks amazing. I mean, again, I really like what they did here from a filmmaking perspective. I would say there's no time for a lengthy hug between Anjo no. and, and Soju here, but they, they go for it. And frankly, she needs it because... She doesn't have much time to spend with him. <laughs> no. And then I have to say, though, because then he's there and you have this. I mean, I do think that that's one thing that, again, it's this theme that, you know, the adults aren't going to save them. They're going to have to save themselves. Um, although um, in this case, he makes the ultimate sacrifice. Um, I don't like how they get sort of trapped so very easily. Um, and even though they have a lot of different things at their disposal that they could use to get out of here. Um, they just end up trapped in a tennis court. And again, I mean, they use this as a set piece to, to sort of like, I think, increase the tension and obviously the drama and make it feel very helpless and, and upsetting, especially what happens in the scene. Um, but um it just felt really like senseless. The fact that it happened. Yeah. It's, it's annoying too, that, that zombies think that road flares look more appetizing than people um, because that's how they get off the tennis court. And that doesn't feel right. I guess Uh, they make an interesting noise. Sure. Yeah. And the noise is a big thing. 
uh, we, we we also have had now the scene of Guinam approaching the 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 male archer who's like trying to restock his arrows back in the the archery gym, I guess. Um, and it would have gone fine for him if he hadn't tried to be bossy to Guinam. Uh, if this kid had just said, "Good luck." <laughs> When the guy with blood all over his face says, you'll live because I'm not hungry right now. Like, maybe just shut up and don't say yeah. anything. I was like, now's not the time to interject anything. Probably yeah. silence <laughs> is your best bet here. Um, but that's not what happens. Um, and, you know, uh, like, I kind of thought he was going to turn into a, like, you know, halfling. Um, because, you know, he's bravely fighting him off when he dies, but I guess not. Um, Let's go out like a boss. I, will I, don't say. Think we actually, I don't think we actually see him turning, though, do we? We just see him kind of collapsing after he tries to shoot that last. Well, he's got the stuff growing out of the side of his face and the, cl- yeah. and the cricky yeah. the clicks. And okay, I think okay. I do think we get a shot of him uh, in the cruise missile scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I I did like that scene where he he uh you know as he's bleeding out and turning he goes back and manages to knock one last arrow and then it just sails right over, right over um, Guinam's yeah, head. Okay. I thought that was great. Yeah, no, that's that's fantastic. So it's a good as good an ending as that guy could get as a yeah. fairly minor character. Uh, Minjay is his name, or Minjay. Um, so and you know I think that this just sort of continues the the feeling that Guinam has been treated pretty poorly or has like this specific, I mean, I think he's earned some of his reputation, but um, it's just a different set of rules now, obviously. Um, So he just keeps going to track the rest of the group. um, And so that's sort of like the, that little scene between them. And then we've got the, the survivors who are now down to, um, so that, just you. So they're in the they're in the tennis court, and then Soju distracts him with some flares, and then he dies uh, in that effort of getting them out of the tennis court. So right. what there's do we a lot think? Of, there's, there's a lot of long moments too, where he's like, yeah. "Just go, just oh, go." God. But in terms of like number of of real time minutes, not not on screen minutes, but like real time minutes, like how long do we think Soju and Anjo spend together? Like, is it I, I think maybe it might be like four. Yeah. Yeah, it's minutes. not. <laughs> it's really and 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 to me, this is a very disappointing end for what has been a literally like a season long arc. Um, <laughs> the fact that they, you know, he's been trying so hard to get to her, and she's always kind of held, I think, some little hope in her heart that he would get there, and then they don't even really. I, I don't have a problem with him dying trying to save her, but I do have a problem with it happening without them getting the chance to even have any sort of conversation or, or time together. I'm just kind of like, why did we follow this guy for so long? If he was going to go out so quickly, um, I thought this was, was very disappointing. And to, to Sochi's I thought journey, he was going to impart something to her, right? Like yeah. I really thought there was going to be something where, I don't know, like that he was going to give her some he key knowledge. It, or... He does. He gives her his flashlight posthumously. <laughs> yes but not in this particular scene with them i thought you know because we see him doing his weird ribbon thing like i thought that that was i don't know anyway like i just i found this dissatisfying as well and i thought that it was a letdown given how much build up we had to their um reunion so yeah i mean um, it's 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 supposed to be disappointing i think also but uh i will grant you kyle yeah like we've been waiting for this moment for 
hours yeah. of, of our lives. And, uh, and it, it, is, it goes so fast. And it also puts her uh, on Joe and Johnson on the same, like they're on the same ground. Now they're in the same level because both of them are now alone. Yep. They both um, lost their best friends and their parents. Right. And it's messed up. Um, and so, yeah, I think Soju t- uh, tells them to get to the construction site, go through it. Cause he, and, all right. He's telling them to go to the place where he just got attacked by two construction workers. We didn't right. see how he got out of that situation, <laughs> but when they get there, that place is so full of zombies. Well, yeah, they, and, and it's they, a lot more full than it was before. So it's sort of like, okay, this isn't, I don't know. Like, they make the baffling decision to go up, which is never, never a good the right <laughs> Never the right never call the to go up in a building which is not completed and has no other you know, reasonable forms of exit. And then they get stuck on the scaffolding outside of the construction site, basically trying to be very quiet and hiding from all the zombies. I I forgot also, there was a scene in the last episode with the NIS, which I assume is like the FBI or the CIA or something, some kind of spy, like black men in blacks organization. And they have, they do a presentation to the martial law command and they say, we're tracking everybody's cell phones in Kyosan. And what we're learning from this is that the zombies are dispersing. They're moving outward because everybody in Hyosan has been eaten. So, uh, you know, there's nobody left. Uh, and then the, the, the reason I bring that up now is because that was in my head while I'm watching the scene of the construction site, which is just chock block, chock a block of construction workers, like people who clearly were killed here and then just hung out there. And, right. and so that to me, I'm like, well, I thought that these zombies were all moving outward. Well, they're not very smart. So uh, they have a real problem with barriers or barricades of any type. That is so maybe they're just literally can't find the door. (laughs) There are no doors. There's there's no walls. This place is pretty open. I kind of thought that they would have been wandering out with noises or something. Like, I just don't think I didn't feel like they would hang out here. Like the helicopters Um, that have been flying over any of this. We've seen, we've seen what the zombies have been doing elsewhere when those things happen and they all kind of swarm and go towards that hone in on that home in on that thing, whatever the noise might be. So this, this felt a little weird that this was so full of people, but. Okay. um, So I will say we're about to get to uh, something that I did find extremely satisfying, which is Guinam and Chong San's, uh, yeah. Rumble. But before we get there, this is all happening simultaneously with the um, bombing plan, which mm-hmm. is moving forward. So they send in, like, as you mentioned, Stuart, like literally thousands of drones uh, to make noise <laughs> and pull all the zombies to central locations. Right. But they're um, also like making announcements and basically like, hey, we're going to bomb the city. So if you're still alive, you should get out because that's going to really help people that are. Or get into the subway or something. Or get into like the that. subway yeah. or something crazy. It's like, and a point there that helicopter ne- never even gets close enough for a normal human to hear it at Hyosan High School, right? Which is one of the locations that they're gonna be bombing, <laughs> right? I don't. I think it's pretty. Uh, it's it's checking off a box yeah. on, a, on a form, kind a of cursory thing, yeah. a cursory flyby. Yeah, well, we did our. You know, we we gave them a heads up. Um, but the only reason they can hear it is because Namra can hear it because yeah. of her super duper hearing, her super duper zombie hearing. And so uh, the gang, the gang now knows that as um, as they're hanging out on the scaffolding, that you know uh, uh, they're about to get bombed, basically. So that adds a level of tension to everything. But then. My 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 guy Guinam just sticks his head out and he's like, "Yo, dudes, I'm here." <laughs> and he and Chongsan have a 
a tussle and I felt so happy for him. He got Chong San's eye. He sure did. did it. Like this guy actually achieved I the mean, goal that he's been he trying to do this whole out, time. He called out his goal long ago. <laughs> he got it. Um, got but it. We should he's been also working on it since episode four. But we should also mention that Chong San got his goal before this rumble, which is that Anjo and Tim like in, you know, Anjo admitted her love for him and they, That's you know, right. then yeah. he starts yelling about that he's the happiest guy in school and then they rumble. Um, and so, but, but yeah, no, Guinam gets the eye. Uh, so that goal was realized and I was so happy um, for him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but then he gets pushed off the scaffolding again. He gets pushed off of a high place I know. again. again. Uh, but before he does, he bites Chung San's arm. Yep. So uh, uh, Chongsan doesn't really have, I think another one of my predictions was that he was going to kind of martyr himself. Um, and he does, but only after being bitten, which I kind of feel like is less impactful than what I had thought. Uh, well, he but he also, I anyway. mean, he's also somewhat sacrificing himself because he knew the fight with Guinam. He's distracting He's making a lot of noise. He's making, you know, he's distracting. He's getting all the other like zombies in the building. He's trying to get them in another direction so that his friends can get out. So he does kind of do it. But I agree. I thought it was going to be a much bigger, somehow a bigger. Oh, it was pretty. It was pretty martyry. I think Kyle, you 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 called it. You saw it coming. One of the things about that scene that is a little um, odd to me is where he says to Anjo right after they've like you know finally reconciled or whatever. He's like, "Don't worry, Anjo. Nobody's going to die here today." Uh, I don't think he was considering himself when he was saying that because he'd already been bitten and he was about to go and martyr himself. But uh, I thought well, that was kind of an odd thing to say. Again, this is like this is it's the it's the show's like like obsessive need to do everything multiple times yeah. because what he does is literally precisely the same as what um, Jun Young just did. Mm-hmm. Like Jun Young got bit decided he was doomed climbed over and distracted some zombies and essentially that's exactly what chung san does here and so i i think i was hoping or predicting that he would make a essentially a sacrifice of himself that was not predicated on the fact that he was already doomed to to turn right you know what i mean there's a distinction there i I mean i would say that what jun young tried to do versus what chung san does do very different because chung san actually does like the elevator shaft trick is fantastic. Yeah, um, it is. And like those zombies don't get back up again. I don't know how or why. I feel like some of them would probably be fine, especially given Guinam's uh, predilection to being thrown off of high things and getting up. But he distracts them. So they all fall, you know, create like a little like human tower of bodies in the bottom of the elevator shaft, yeah. which is great. So good. Uh, yeah. We've also had another scene of the military, the, the planning. Uh, and one of the interesting things that I took away from this was they say the population of Hyosan is 170,000 people. They say um, 110 are quarantined. I think that they're just missing three zeros off of the back of that. I think they mean 110,000 have been evacuated, which seems like a very high number, unless they actually mean only 110 people got out of Hyosan. Uh, and then they, I think they, I think they mean 110,000. Yeah, uh, that, was, that was kind of where I just landed because the math adds up then. Because then they say there's still 60,000 people or zombies. We don't know that which is which in Hyosan. So that's what we would be trying to kill with our bombing mission. Um, but I love numbers like that. And the it, it, so zombie shows very rarely give you numbers, right? So uh, I was like, okay, did they really think that they're going to get two thirds of the city uh, out? I think that that's kind of unlikely. I think the way that that, I mean, 
granted, we didn't see people. We saw the long, long lines of traffic in some of those interstitial scenes. And we, we saw Chung San's mom driving the wrong way. Like if she had turned around and gone the opposite direction, she probably could have gotten out of town. Right. Um, but yeah, I'm so, trying to remember back to how I'm trying to remember back to how long they had between because the, the the like breakout started in a relatively small geographic space, so it would have taken some time for people to get zombified and essentially walk or run to other parts of the city. So, you know, 110,000 people—that's a pretty big city. So, like, let like Santa if you Rosa. just take like yeah, if you just take like Santa Rosa, like if somebody in Cottingtown gets infected somebody like over you know on the other side of of town by like montgomery high school or something is easily going to be able to get out of there yeah there was of uh, course the two two vectors there was the hospital which is how like greater mm-hmm. kyosan got infected and then there was the high school yeah um so, I, I believe it yeah it, it could have it could have worked especially if the city has enough like highways going out and not just like one route um but again i was just i'm just happy to see numbers in shows like this that makes me happy for some weird reason <laughs> uh, Namra is also getting hungry, uh, and this is before the, the fight with Guinam, I guess. But Namra is getting hungry, and her inner monologue. Have we heard her inner monologue before? I couldn't yeah, remember. Kind of, kind of the first time she did that. Um, right on the windowsill. Yeah. Um, so then this is sort of like I think her zombie voice telling her to eat her friends. Um, and I don't know, like that. This is a good. Uh, I don't know alternative but she keeps like biting herself and bear sue's like no just bite me it's cool um, bear sue you're like the dumbest me. dumbest guy on the planet like yeah <laughs> no no uh no patience for your shit anymore <laughs> like that's no, the dumbest thing i've ever read in my life <laughs> i was actually i mean not to i'm jumping a little bit all the way to the end but bear sue and namra's relationship doesn't seem to have any anything in it anymore in the last scene of this show mm-hmm. uh, like they they don't share a moment really um but so i'm kind of glad i feel like she's also seen through his uh his charming exterior to realize that he's just too idiotic to live <laughs> right um but he does say like because he has some idea that if she bites him he'll become like her um and i think we've seen that we just really don't know exactly the mechanism that the reason why people become like them and she certainly um, doesn't doesn't take him up on his offer so. no she does not um and then um we also see you know the sort of the struggle with the the military with you know the decision um that the commander has made and he has like this really bizarre you know like a normal conversation with his wife and then decides to off himself because of of bombing making the decision to take out Hyosan. Um, and you know, he's also I, gone to the, the assembly woman and asked her to like set things straight or whatever, or, like tell the I, truth or I don't know what he's telling her. I'm like, this is, this is the person you feel like should do. Okay. I mean, sure. sure. Yeah, sure. Um, and I don't, then, I don't really agree with him killing himself here. No, I mean, I, I get but, the weight of it would have been massive and, and clearly like the show wants us to think that the bombing of Hyosan was this giant travesty in a way, but it's also like the only decision to make. Um, well, I think the bigger problem is that he's been such a morally uncompromising character. Like we have not seen any sort of, um, you know, inner debate or sense that he feels a sense of conflict about anything that he's done the whole time. In fact, shoot, he was kind of those children now. Those shoot. children, yeah, yeah, he was he was explicitly set up as kind of a villainous character, and we never saw him like have any time before this where he took a moment and was like, "Holy shit, what am I doing here? <laughs> Shooting kids," you know, like kind of thing. So. 
it, it comes completely out of left field for me because my read on this character prior to this point was that he was like really enjoying the chance to basically exercise the full weight of the military because that's kind of how it seemed like mm-hmm. he you know he was happy to have a, a crisis to to work on so yeah definitely came came out of left field the guy acted the heck out of it um so i i think he did a good job with what he was given um but but it it didn't really ring true to me either yeah as soon as he gave that weird unnecessary salute to that one soldier in the hallway i was like yeah he's killing himself yeah that's it uh that you don't you don't have to stop and salute (laughs) random sentries you're you're a general just go on (laughs) with your day uh but i was like yeah he's he's checking some more boxes i guess uh, we have okay. We also are getting scenes as the cruise missiles get closer. They keep calling it bombing, but I want to point out these aren't bombs. Uh, as the cl- cruise missiles zoom in and start hitting targets, we're having scenes um, from the playing field where the all the zombies have been lured uh, of some of our favorite uh, character members. So we get Nyan as a zombie. We hadn't seen her as a zombie. There she is. We see uh, G Men, a couple of others. I'm trying to think. Probably Yangsu. Um, uh, honorable mentions or people who are absent, Mrs. Park, don't see her at all. I didn't yeah. see her. I mean, we did get a last scene between her and um, the, the for, with her and um, Anjan's dad uh, oh. on the tennis court and they kind of brushed by each other. So oh, I that feel was like- Chong Sen's mom. Oh, sorry. John says mom. That's right. Yeah, I like that. I like that. John says mom and Anjo end up in the same place. It's kind of Anjo's a nice dad. Yeah. 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 Uh, poetic. Uh, yeah. Poetic uh-huh. thing. But um, but yeah, Mrs. Park does not appear. And the other like big, huge question mark for the entire series also does not appear. Yep. And Mr. Lee, I, Mr. Lee. Yeah. And I have to believe that they're saving him for the next series because otherwise his entire like setup is just like they just forgot about it or something <laughs> because Mr. Really, Lee does not appear. I thought he was going to be at the very end like in some kind of a He might be. He might just be know. off camera. Like there's a whole thing in that final scene of Namra rushing off to talk to someone, right? Well, talk mm-hmm. in air quotes. Yeah. Uh, and and so that we don't know who those people are that she has uh, alluded to, and it certainly could. I think it's Miss Mrs. Park and Mister Lee. The teachers, the faculty are <laughs> are who's left. Yeah, but she specifically says other kids or whatever. So I don't know. Maybe there are others maybe, like me is all she maybe, says. Maybe, maybe. But um, but I think we're ready to talk about the finale. And um, you well, know, uh, the last thing I'll say is just visually, just visually, I love that the um the bombs falling really echoes the um, opening, like the opening the credit, credit. Yeah. Uh, which I thought was a nice little thing. Like we've been seeing this moment uh, mm-hmm. in every episode. We just didn't know exactly what it meant, was, um, yeah. which I thought was nice. That touch. is cool. And, and you know, Chan-san gets his his final hurrah and his final sacrifice. Um, yeah, and- grabs, grabs uh, Guinam and holds him while they both burst into flame. Yeah. yeah, that's pretty wild. Uh, and then there's like a final lingering shot of uh, Anjo's name tag in the elevator shaft, right? Mm-hmm. Um, also, Kyle, I want to know, how is your wife's uh, listing in your phone? Do you do you have her listed as wife like the general <laughs> I does? I do not have her listed as just <laughs> wife. I thought that was very funny too, actually. That was funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's just her actual name. Yep, that's I think how a lot of people do phones. <laughs> but again, might be, you know, context. Who knows? Right. Um, 
But um, all right. So let's dive into the the finale, which, you know, uh, a few things happen in this, um, but it was not as satisfying as I was as I was hoping it would be. Um, though I definitely think it clearly leaves an opening for a sequel. Um, as we were talking about Mr. Lee, I thought that I honestly thought he was going to play a bigger part in this ending piece and he didn't. Um, but really there's like sort of like two halves of this episode. One is with the students um, getting out um, and into like a quarantine camp. Um, but they are first in a neighborhood where it seems like, you know, things are semi okay until they're not. Um, and so we've got one last little zombie fight, which I, you know, I guess the purpose of this is to sort of explain what happens with Namra, but it feels like yet another sort of winnowing down of the crew. And I don't know, it just felt like I was sort of, um, disappointed in it. I don't know how both of you felt, but yeah. I, I mean, I thought it was like a cool fight scene, but it was like the same, again, the same kind of theme. Oh, I would say and, it's very different because this is the first scene where we see this combined crew actually kill zombies. They kill six. They say <laughs> that there's 11 and then there's only six, but they actually kill six. I mean, Namra does most of it, but Desu yeah. gets a kill in there. Uh, yeah. G- Min- Mi Jin continues to be like this unassuming killing machine. I think she kills yeah. three. Uh yeah. So it's it's kind of or maybe two, but yeah, that to me this is a different sort of scene. We've talked about how this original two five classroom crew doesn't ever kill, um, and they've never really been in a protracted last gr- stand your ground fight with zombies. Last last um, episode, last zombie fight they finally <laughs> yeah. discovered. They finally, I think <laughs> they've the learned thing, how to survive. I think the reason why I found it somewhat unsatisfying is that it felt like I don't know. It just felt unbelievable just in terms of uh, honestly because of what we saw them capable of leading up to this and then suddenly they're very skilled in doing this um and then we have wujin basically one last sort of casualty honorable sacrifice right yep yep saving his sister um we have like he gives her a hard time about archery yeah which is kind of funny (laughs) on his his deathbed (laughs) yep did you really did you really get into nationals She's like, yeah. And he's like, liar. Um, and I do. I mean, I get the thing I did like the most about this was Namra basically coming into her powers and she's like snapping necks and yeah. doing crazy stuff. Um, and then we also see that she, her little inner zombie voice is is pretty powerful. Um, and she like she knows she's a danger to her friends, but all they keep talking about is sitting around a fire, which I'm just like, I don't know if that is i guess that's a thing but she that's all she she's like oh i've never sat around the fire they bring up that fire so many times that's her well yeah you know uh, that's her gateway to uh having real human emotions yeah i guess um but you know we they finally sort of get out of this neighborhood but namra just decides to stay behind because she knows that her uh her hunger is gonna overrule at some point or she doesn't yet have control over it seems like most of what she does to control it is to self-harm which i find disturbing like she rams herself into a wall and bites herself again then then she graduates to i think eating zombies uh, is what she's doing the next time we see her yeah which raises some very interesting questions if the zombies can eat each other right maybe only the maybe only the the half bees can eat zombies but like basically the rest of the zombies are ignoring other zombies but yeah yeah 
Um, but we have, you know, Anjo and Bersu kind of like trying to get her to come back and she just finally like just stays behind. Well, not um, before she attacks Anjo. Uh, yep. Bersu does not intercede. No. Um, and Anjo is like, it's okay, you can eat me. And then like, it's that, I think, that statement and the fact that Bersu doesn't attack her that maybe gives her enough pause to run away crying and the, the two humans rejoin their friends. Um, but later on, Anjo says to Bersu, like in the three months later scene, she, he's, she's like, yeah, you doing that saved all of us. Right. Uh, which I, so I guess we're supposed to believe that if he had attacked her, then she would have killed the two of them maybe and hunted down maybe. the rest of the kids. Um, and then, you know, we have the last sort of like, they, they finally make it to like a railway sort of area where um, we've got uh, soldiers there um, and they're rescued by them. Again, I'm just so confused about the plan because it's nothing has changed and they're still coming out of a pretty dangerous area. Um, so, I mean, and I guess they are put in quarantine and the people from Hyosan are in quarantine and we see this like they do a little sort of like news update where it's like the martial laws ended, but they've been living in the quarantine camp for four months and everybody's still afraid to let them out. So I guess there's some idea that they might still be infected, but I don't know. I just felt like I, I thought one of them was going to end up being shot in this particular scene and they didn't. But um, and then they have sort of the the interviews with the military and that and- scene, though, with uh, the, the rail, the train tracks. It's it's so evocative of Train to Busan's final scene. I felt like it was definitely an homage to that with slightly less drama because then they're just like, hey, we're students and they just like yeah. take them in. Yeah. The only reason um, um, they, they survived at the end of Train to Busan was because the girl started singing. Right. Mm-hmm. And these kids, they're just put their hands up and they're like, yeah, they're human. They can put up their hands. Yep. They pass yep. the test. To be fair. They're, they're not acting like zombies. So yeah. the military can finally distinguish between the two. They're all crying and having put PTSD visions of all their friends who have died. Like, yeah. that's, mm-hmm. that's how that's going. Uh, I thought that the inter- uh, the interrogation or interview scenes were, were good. It's one of those really fast cuts to... Um, you know, uh, the inter- you think the interrogator is asking one kid a question, but it's actually the next kid in the line. And Andro's, <laughs> I did laugh though. And Andro's like, "I'm never going to do anything for an adult ever again." I'm like, yeah. "You're 17. You're going to be an adult like <laughs> in yeah. five minutes." Yeah. Uh, um, so, yeah. And then we see a little bit of the camp, and we saw we see Mijin still on her college kick, wearing like this weird, like little like s- these signs that basically say. Um, say like oh you, you know you should help us quarantine kids get into college or something like something crazy like that um she's still obsessed with college she's Isn't that what she's talking about did she get an interrogation scene where she talks about college yeah too? that's what she said she yeah. said i should get into college and we should you know so that sort of thing yeah um but <laughs> so one note is, i know very one note um and we see sort of a little bit of what life is like there. We have Anjo running into her dad's old, uh, one of the partners, one of the people from his crew. Um, and, you know, like we see that life in the quarantine camp is, is you know, what you would expect it to be. They all have a change um, of clothes. They all look quite yep. stylish. Yep. Um, but they're not like, it's not like they're all hanging out together. She's definitely kind of, you know, because when she runs into bear suit, it's sort of like, oh, yeah, I kind of want to see the others, but not because it'll bring up painful memories and all that stuff. Um, and so, but they talk about the fact that she's seen uh, fire like on the roof 
of their old school. And so I think they're pretty sure who that is. Um, but she's like, oh, let's just go alone. But of course, Bear Sue brings in the rest of them. Um, I, I, and- I like this. This 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 touched my heart. Like, this is, yeah. This is designed in a lab to touch your heart, Kyle. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. the, you know, all the kids, you know, they, she comes around the corner and everyone's there and it's like, oh, I told you to, you know, not tell anybody. Well, we told him. And then it, I just, I thought that was great. And I, I like that. It was a, a very like Goonies kind of a scene. Um, it's, it's also and- one of these, it's one of the only scenes that gives some of these characters any resemblance of a story arc too. <laughs> like, oh, you're, you know, you're choosing to come. I mean, they were all kind of tight throughout their ordeal. But like choosing to go back over the fence, first of all, I think it's actually like a, a legit symptom of PTSD, but like Agreed. like Hurt Locker style, right? But it's also um, it, it's like for Hyo, no, Ryo Hyung, the the timid girl to do it is like her only real st- yep. her only real story arc at all is the fact that she's willing to go back into the, well, into the ship. Well, that and she gives uh, uh, Daesu a hard time about everything. Um, so in this case, you know, he puts the empty candy wrapper and then is like, oh, I'll bring a whole box next time. So he's, you that know, so they, they still have their like weird banter going on. Um, but but they're um, not together even like there was the, oh. all that shipping a couple episodes ago for Daisu and her and they they the show weirdly doesn't even do nope. anything with it nope and then they end up all back on that roof um seeing the fire like one of them makes the really and i mean they're like walking through the ruins of their school and uh one of them is like oh who made the fire and someone's like oh maybe one of those weird youtubers who like haunted houses <laughs> like, it was like it's such a weird comment yeah um, that was weird. And was like, no, idiots. It's it's clearly Namra. And then yeah. it is Namra. And it's been three months and 17 days, they said on the news. Yep. And Namra's school uniform is pristine. It's pristine. She's got, you know, some healing of the wounds that we saw before. So she's got that weird head wound, but it's almost healed. <laughs> now they're just like those anime style little X's on mm-hmm. her on her brow and on her cheek. I thought she, she maybe she may have found some stash of uniform somewhere or she's maybe she's stealing them off of other zombies or something in, in the firebomb school. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, in the firebomb school. <laughs> Um, and she implies that there's other others like her. Um, she makes some weird comment about them be, not being fully zombie, not being fully, uh, sorry, not being fully human, not being fully a monster. This scene and- with Namra is also like the most expressive she's ever been. She's smiling. <laughs> she's making eye contact. She's saying things that like mean that she has she has an emotional response, which she's been so repressed as a like in her dialogue and her, you know, her acting this whole show. This is this is right. kind of like a completely different scene for this character. And, you know, she and Anjo make up and Anjo's like, it's all right that you were going to eat me. It's all good. And, and that's Anjo- significant, too, because suddenly it's Anjo and Namra who have this like tightest relationship. Right. And they, they worked on that in the woods on their way out of the school the previous episode. But here again, like Anjo is reinforcing the fact that like we are going to be friends no matter what. And then Bearsu kind of gets one in there, too. He's like, yeah, uh, me, too. I'll be a friend. Right. Uh, girlfriend. I just. I didn't feel like they got there enough with Anjo and Namra to make this hit or like, it just didn't, I didn't feel like they had bonded them enough or done enough together in this entire series to make it, to make this be realistic. But, you know, I, I think that's fine, I suppose. But I mean, I think Anjo, keeping insisting that she wants Anamra to come back. I mean, she knows what's going to happen to Anamra if she comes into that camp. They've seen what's been happening. So this seems kind of ridiculous to me. 
that that's the idea that you're going to come and you're going to be accepted by you. No, she's not. They'll use her as like a guinea pig in the lab. And she'll eventually um, get hungry and eat someone. Right. So I just thought that was kind of strange, um, but maybe just try. I guess they were trying to just show that Namra was accepted by Andro no matter what. But um, and she, you know, we never see the other half zombies or how many there are. She's very vague about that. Um, but she does have cool superhero powers that we see where she just like jumps off the roof, like, you know, like Kill Bill style. Yeah, she has a nice slow-mo jump off the roof and everyone's like, whoa. Yeah. Which is something Gwinam started doing a lot at the end too, was just jumping off of high places because he can mend his broken legs at the bottom or something. <laughs> mm-hmm. He learned that the hard way. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, and that's so the I final mean- scene is like that slow sort of pan between all of these kids' faces. Uh, the thing that they don't do, which I would have expected, is all run to the edge of the roof to look down. Instead, they're all kind of yeah. looking at the horizon, which I'm like, you're on the roof of the school that you can't see anything from where you are. <laughs> right. It's dark. What are you, what are you looking at? What are you looking at? It was weird. Um, but yeah, and that is that is the, the wrap-up of the series. Um, so I think clearly they're going to try to do another one. Um, but, you know... That's that's it. Um, but overall, I would say I really enjoyed the whole thing. I mean, I thought it was great. I did. I did think that there were certain. I think it could have been edited down, and I think there were things I would have liked to see more of. Um, and I, I think it's tough when you have so many different. Uh, you have such a large cast and so many different things that you're trying to show um, in the storyline. But I do. I felt like the storytelling could have been a little tighter. Um, yeah, this could have been eight or even six episodes, probably. Right. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. If, do we want to do like a zero out of ten or A to B or A to F uh, grades? <laughs> I mean, I, I I would say ten out of ten. I love this stuff. <laughs> I would watch, <laughs> even though it was long. Th- this is just the part of the critical for me. Critical process is like, okay, yeah, you know, th- this wasn't hundred percent great, but this was a great show. Uh, I, I would say that I wish there had been a little more effort put into story arcs. If you're gonna have six people survive. Right. They all need to have something specific that we can that we can latch onto, and and a few of these characters didn't get anything other than just like Bearsu. What what is this character? He's like a hero. <laughs> He's a hero, but he has zero character growth. If anything, he yep. like becomes less than uh, by the he end does. of the show. He becomes a lot less, and yeah. I also think you know you have characters when you do have the a big cast like this. I know that it is hard to develop the story and the backstory of the characters. I think they tried to do as much, they tried to do a lot of that. And we saw it with their sort of like video wills. Um, and, but even for example, Wujin, who we just don't know a lot about him other than he has his sister and that she's coming to find him. We don't have a lot about him. Um, and I do think it, it does hit when he dies, but not in the way that it would have if they had built him up a little bit more. Or just had a couple fewer red shirts. Yeah. Right. Like Jimin so, doesn't really serve a purpose. Her right. death, her death does not have enough of an impact. Right. And I mean, I don't think you you care enough, honestly. Yeah. Um, and especially given that she kind of acts like, I mean, she's panicked and scared, but you know, she's she she leaves her friend to die. So um, but I and they spent a lot of time on much more time on her death than they spend on her in the rest of the entire show. And they spent way more time develop developing, not like hardcore, but they kind of developed her over Wu Jin, right? And over right. Daesu, over Jun Young, even. Right. Um, and and then they did not use that time to capitalize on her exit. Um, I think. Right. But I, I agree with you, Stuart. I 
think for me, this was a successful show. I really enjoyed watching it. Um, I definitely enjoyed talking about it with both of you. Um, so, you know, the, the way we like kind of like analyze and, and tear apart certain things, like that's more just when you've got this, this fantastic thing that you're doing, just sort of questions. And I get that this must've been an incredibly arduous project. Yeah. Um, especially like film editing. Cause if this is the final product, imagine how much, how many hours <laughs> of footage that they had to like parse <sighs> through. Right. And uh, like, bananas. Yeah. yeah, it's going to be, it was totally crazy. And keeping in mind that this was done during the pandemic. So um, I, you know, so overall I really loved it. I would love to see a sequel. Um, though I would like to see the storylines a little tighter um, on that point. And maybe the cast would be slightly smaller just because they've, they've narrowed things down. Well, if they start um, with six, they can have three at the end and it's going to be okay, right? right they, start, they started um, with like 15, you know, like it was too many. Right. And I also, you know, I did want to see our detective a little bit more and we just kind of lost him. We had, yeah, not, no yeah. resolution for detective or Seoul University. Uh, Sabin, the little four-year-old girl, you yeah. see her sobbing at the beginning of this episode. Nothing. Baby? Changsan chicken baby? Nothing. <laughs> I mean, they're all alive. They got rescued, right? Yeah, but well, we just I, don't know what happened to them. Yeah, yeah, like their stories are completely unresolved. Or, you know, they're resolved, I guess, in that they survived the zombie apocalypse. But, you know, the, when, when, this final episode kind of serves as both an epilogue and to set up season two, if they're going to do that. But I like... Maybe I think again, like they just had too many stories they were trying to tell, and 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 yet not enough actual story in those stories in some cases. Mm. But um, I would have also liked it. Maybe that there's a reason why. Like I would have liked to see. I, I really thought that Sean Sen's mom was going to be a super a have have what is it? What do they call it? a half be? Um, but or even I thought um, Andre's dad might might do that but i guess they just can only have one which is the mr lee but and maybe mrs park we don't know yet um but i just uh but again i i really loved watching this i thought this was fantastic more please um what about you kyle uh i'd probably give it like a six and a half out of ten like (laughs) that's the russian judge I liked it. I enjoyed it. I, you know, I, it's not like I like was sitting there while I was watching it being like, oh, this, you know, this is such a slog or whatever. But like, you know, it it's not great television and it and it um, has a lot of flaws, as we've discussed here uh, throughout. So, I, I, you know, six out of six and a half out of ten is not a bad score. It's pleasantly enjoyable. It was a breeze. And I, you know, I would watch a second season and I would talk about a second season with you guys. But, um, you know, it wasn't wasn't Deadwood, you know. <laughs> <laughs> what is? Uh, what do you guys think about the uh, the online rumor mills are that uh, Chung San has somehow survived? Lol. I would think, given that we saw Guinam, definitely, like, there was some immolation there. Guinam was immolating. That's maybe yeah. the point mm-hmm. of the rumor is that Changsan was not. Um, they did a- not directly show that, but I feel like it would have been really hard for him to get out of it. Yeah. I actually did think that they might be going there with the last scene. Like I thought maybe it was going to pan and he would be in the background, but they didn't do that. That would be such a Glenn escaping under the dumpster maneuver. Right. Right. Uh, I don't so- know. I don't know if we can do that. Well, um, it, it seems like the people who are talking about this online are like essentially convinced that um, because they did not, you know, show Chong Sen bursting into flame himself, that he like used Guinam's body as like a, you know, human shield or something. And um, 
is a is a half bee hanging out with uh with namra but i don't know if that's true and i will have to find out when the second season comes out but it seems like that's they're pretty much like the the rumor mill seems to be essentially convinced that that's the case hmm. well i guess we shall see if it i didn't see that it got renewed and i j- did try to find information about it did either of you find anything about that no, uh, no. I, I feel like the show got on my radar very shortly before it was on Netflix, too. So I'm not I don't know that I'm expecting to to hear. It seems like it's just one of these things that was suddenly it was there. Well, and I don't know what the cadence is of, you know, American TV used to work on this very predictable cadence for seasons. But yeah. um, it doesn't seem like uh, it doesn't seem like that's happening anymore in the streaming world. And then also I don't, I have no idea what Korean TV is like. So maybe two years will go by and then it'll just somehow get renewed again. Who knows? Well, it's also a little bit through Netflix. So it's whether they decide to also maybe go in. So it's unclear if they, um, they were the ones that did the bigger investment or if this was, if something they bought after the fact, like, I don't know if that was the case. So we'll have to see what happens with that. Um, But, um, you know, I don't think that they even, you know, like when Squid Game was such a huge hit, they waited a while before Mm -hmm. saying that there would be something else about that. Um, So anyway, we'll have to see. I think we'll have to wait a bit to see if it's going to happen. But I have a feeling it will because it was really it's it's doing pretty well as far as we know, though they do keep some of those analytics undercover, you know, so uh, tough to say. But I'd also have to like the the amount of money that it must have taken to make this. And I don't, I tried to find more numbers about how much it was, but it must've been incredibly expensive to make this show. So, so to have to commit to that for a second season is a pretty big lift, um, but maybe warranted if it's, if it's doing really well. And I think it will continue to do well. I mean, it's still popping up, but maybe it's obviously like they know what I like to watch. So maybe it's just (laughs) to pop up because of me, but you know, We'll have to we'll have to see. But anyway, any it was great talking about this with both of you. Um, if any of our listeners have comments uh, about the last three episodes about the series in general, feel free to email us at reanimatedpodcast at gmail.com. You can tweet at us, reanimatedpcast, or you can leave a note on the show website, reanimatedpodcast.com. Uh, Kyle, thanks so much for, for joining us for this uh, this sojourn. Most definitely. It's been enjoyable. It's always great having you on. Um, I know, I know we cannot ask you about any Walking Dead stuff, uh, but maybe if there's other things in the future you're interested in chatting about, we can, we can do this again. Most definitely. Yeah. Thank you, Kyle, for, for coming along. And in the days ahead, I hope that we can talk about some more stuff. We'll keep you in the, in the loop. Toodles. Catch you on the flip side.